Alrighty, g'day guys and welcome back to another episode of the Bradley J Driver Experience, the future number one podcast in the world. It is in fact your host, Bradley J Driver. By now you know the drill, you can call me whatever you like because if you're a fan of the show, I'm a fan of yours too. It's you guys that keeps this alive and thriving and we're just so excited. This will be maybe episode 51, I think, the way that the, the cards are falling, the way that this is all playing out and just to know that there have been people here from day one, whether you tuned in at that first or second episode or whether you've just tuned in more recently, I want to say thank you all the same. And you can continue to support the show by hitting the all-important follow or subscribe button, leaving that five-star rating and a raving review on Apple Podcast app because we're growing, baby. I said it at the start, the future number one podcast in the world. There is big news coming in the next week or two regarding the production and the way that this is all playing out. That I'm so excited to announce and release. But that's other news. Today you're here to listen to another bloody exceptional guest. This guy, well, he could very well be Australia's answer to Ross Edgley. His Insta bio <laughs> says extreme athlete. What it should probably say is just straight up crazy motherfucker. Because on the 3rd of March, 2021, he will attempt to break a world record. But you're ready for this? the world's strongest marathon. What does that mean? Well, it means he's going to attempt to pull a 1.5 ton car for 42.2 kilometers, all to raise money for child abuse. His story is truly one of overcoming the odds with a life shifting change to be the man he is today. Ladies and gentlemen, take a seat, grab a bucket of popcorn, because I'm about to dive in deep with a legend that is Corey Philpott. How are you, brother? I'm good. How are you? That was an awesome intro. How good is that? <laughs> I appreciate it. I love to start the show off on a good note. And man, it's really exciting to have you here. I've, you know, more recently been following what you're doing. And it's funny because, you know, I said in that intro piece there, Australia's answer to Ross Edgley, because I'm a massive fan of that guy. And I know he's, he's the current world record holder for what you're setting out to attempt, isn't it? No, he's actually not. He's actually Ooh. not. No, there's actually a guy called um, Justin True, and um, he actually beat Ross Edgley's record by, I think it was two and a half hours. Is that yeah. more, was that recently, or was that before Ross attempted? No, yeah, no, that was recently. That's, um, I think that happened uh, the end of last year, maybe. I think that happened. Um, I was actually under the whole impression that uh, Ross Edgley held the record um, until I actually started scrolling through the hashtags. I was like, what the hell? Someone else has done this. And I've looked at it, and um, yeah, so Justin True, he holds the record. It's currently, uh, I think Ross Edgley did 19 and a half hours, yep. and um, Justin True did 17, I think. Wow. Yeah. Wow, yeah. that's insane. And it's crazy to see that, I guess, more than one person actually wants to attempt this, which is a little bit nuts. But it's, um, man, it's, it's so exciting because I think it's, it's new territory, especially for us here in Australia. We don't really see a whole lot of this stuff. It's definitely something that happens in the UK and the US. But I think the world is shifting, man. It's like, it feels like COVID, all the crazy motherfuckers just woke up and said, hey, let's start doing some stupid shit for good causes. Because, you know, this year we've seen the news stories, you know, fellow Sydney sider Ned Brockman, 50 marathons, 50 days, while working a job Monday to Friday 
on site. Absolutely mental. But what you're doing is so different because it really is two different stimuluses. It's, it's endurance and it's strength. And we're going to go in and I really want to dive in deep today. And I know you've got some great training philosophies and there's a lot of prep that goes into this with the time that you have to prepare for the event. But I want to sort of backtrack a little bit. I think for anyone in life, you know, there are people who are natural born endurance athletes and freaks of nature. But I think for someone like yourself who, you know, I know, I've, I know a bit of your story. You've shared some of that with me. And I know for myself personally with what I'm setting out to achieve, it comes from more so something within, I guess, tests and, and things in life that challenge you and make you the human being that you are today. Tell me a little bit about your story and, and what's created, I guess, the mindset and the spirit within Corey Philpot in, in the present day. I guess if we, if we, we really want to um, take it back a fair bit, it was when well, my, my parents, they split up when I was, I was five years old and um, never really uh, had a good relationship with my dad. I used to live in um, the Sutherland Shire with yeah. my mum since I was about 18 years old. Used to live with her, and um, I used to play high-level football. Played for Illawarra Steelers a little bit. Played for Cronulla, all that kind of jazz. And then I fell out of love with football, and I started to go back to park football and just play with mates, play for fun. And um, I'm sure, as a lot of people know, that park football environment isn't that healthy for young men, um, with all the partying and stuff that goes on behind the scenes. Unless you're really headstrong and um, you know what you want out of your life, you're going to get involved. Um, so I probably wait when I, when I left football, I was probably about uh, 87 to 89 kilos, something like that. Went back to park football, just stopped training. I was just playing, um, partying every single weekend. Um, it got to the point where I actually started to um, kind of get addicted to I guess the feeling and the love that I thought my mates were showing me um, to the point where I actually started taking illicit drugs midweek. Now that is something I'm not proud of that, um, but it's a part of my story. Um, it, during that time, I jumped up to 126 kilos over a year. Yeah, wow. So just over 30 kilos. 30 or so kilos, yeah. Just straight fat. And I'm not a tall dude, and I was just a butterball. Like, you look back at photos of me, people wouldn't even recognize you. I don't even recognize that guy Yeah. when I look at him. And the, the, the funny story is, well, it's, it's not quite funny, but I was coming home from a bender one night. And as I mentioned before, me and my dad, we didn't have a really good relationship growing up. He was the perfect father figure. Didn't want to leave my side, but I had this view that he's the one that split up this relationship between my mom and my dad I was just under that vision you know because I lived with my mom and I was on a come down and stupidly enough I was driving home and when I was driving home I just broke down I thought this is all over my life's going nowhere blah blah suicidal thoughts everything like that and the one person I rung I, I, I didn't even think about it I don't even know what I was thinking at the time I rung my dad yeah. and said to him i don't know what i'm doing my life's going nowhere like i need help and um he goes okay no worries um i'm gonna come and help blah blah, blah. within i think it was the next day or it might have been two days after that 
I moved out to Penrith. Dropped everything, deleted social media. I was off social media for a year. Um, just really needed to find out who I was. And as you could imagine, as a 18, 19 year old, just dropping everything you had and going into uncharted territory with no one, absolutely no one besides my family that was out there. Can, and, I, um, you, can I just interject there yeah. for a moment? And you say you almost subconsciously call dad and that relationship is obviously not, like you said, he, he has all the right intention in the world. He is that, that model father figure that you need as a young fella in your life. But do you think subconsciously you knew, you knew that the whole time it was maybe the, the other things in your life where you were kind of masking that or maybe pushing it to the side because you didn't want to face the fact and the reality of, of the direction your life was going? Yeah, I, I think I always wanted my dad and I think I always needed my dad. Yeah. Like any young man, you need a, you need a, male, you need a male figure in your life. Yeah. Um, I always wanted my dad. I always needed my dad. I always felt like something was missing. Um, and just during that point, I'm looking back on it now. I don't. I don't even know why I called him. Still to this day, yeah. there must be a reason as to why I called him, and that's exactly right. Subconsciously, I wanted him to be in my life, but growing up, it was like dad's evil, dad's this, dad's that. Yeah. You know, um, it, I was just under that impression. Um, yeah. So now, now, now coming back when I moved out here, I was still overweight. Um, wasn't really, I didn't really get into training or anything like that. Um, my dad's an ultra runner. My uncle's an ultra runner. I have a relatively fit family out here. Yeah. And um, so I really needed to up my game. <laughs> I, I didn't really, I wasn't doing nothing with my life besides being a laborer and just making cash. But um, when I moved out here, I started getting, it took me maybe a couple of months before I started to get into the fitness world and i was running maybe a k here and going to the gym here and there nothing serious nothing full on and uh we have this thing out here in penrith called the pan river run which is a 6k loop and i could not even complete half of that now one day my dad woke me up at 4 30 in the morning and said i'm sick of you being a fat shit you're coming to do a half marathon with me and if you've been out to the mountains to the Blue Mountains in the dead winter. This day, on this specific day, it was like minus three or minus four up in the mountains. And I went up there and I completed a half marathon. And, and what's that like mentally? Like, what does that do to you as a guy who probably at this point, very low self-esteem, I can imagine, because you've not very really conquered anything. You've kind of been on a downward spiral. But to yep. achieve that, is that an instant flip of a switch? that day changed my life and that day from that day forward i was getting up at 4 30 in the morning going to the gym consistently i'm at a comfortable weight now where i know where i need to be for what i'm doing and all this kind of stuff all that kind of jazz but then losing weight to look good was what i wanted to do yeah um and that just really flipped the switch. That that one specific day, I'll never forget it for the rest of my life. I did not, my dad and his friend, they all stop and they take photos. And I just knew that if I stopped, that was it, I'm done. And I did not stop till I got to the end. And literally I collapsed as soon as I got to the end. You know what, it's, it's funny you're telling me this because I looked at your, um, your photo last night from, for everyone listening to this, this guy hasn't slept yet. He, 
he ran 35Ks with it last night. You guys yeah. set out for an 11 o'clock start. And there was a photo of a group of you. And there was a fella there who I'm assuming was your old boy. Was he a part no, of that? No, no, no. No? No, nah, he, wasn't, he wasn't a part of that group last night. He was in the lounge having a beer, just chilling. Okay. He's just chilling. He's, <laughs> he, he's <laughs> nah, he, he's done a whole heap of other stuff. But, you know, I guess we, we can dive into last night a little bit. A couple months ago, I had four boys come with me to do a marathon. They said to me, they reached out to me via Instagram yeah, and said, hey, we want to start pushing ourselves. We want to train with you, blah, blah. And I said, okay, no problem. And they said, all right, when, what can we do? I said, oh, I'm actually running a marathon this weekend if you want to come. Mind you, these guys have not run over 6Ks before, okay? They said, all right, let's do it. Like, we, we, want, to, we want to feel the pain. We want to get uncomfortable. I said, are you sure? They're like, yep, let's do it. Where are we meeting? We're meeting at this place called uh, Glenbrook Lagoon. When they arrived there, they said, oh, where are we running to? And I said, oh, we're just running around the lagoon. It's a 1K loop. And they go, nah, nah, nah. I think I'm joking. I'm like, no, nah, dead serious. We're running around. So we did three loops. We did three Ks around the lagoon. And they go, oh, we're actually staying here. I go, yeah, you're doing 42 Ks around here and you're going to watch your car every single time you go around. And they, they just like... Back in that and drive home, yeah. That is it. That is it. And that's how, that's how I help these guys build mental resilience, mental toughness. It's so awesome. And uh, four of those guys, yeah, four of those guys today, it was going to be their first ultra. Um, yeah, and then I think five of them, including myself, pulled out because they just kept on rolling their ankles. And I actually, I've done something to my knee, so I had to be very cautious with that, with the World's Strongest Marathon coming up. So I didn't want to, didn't want to muck around and push through it, even though the pain wasn't too bad. But one guy finished it. He hadn't run over 25Ks before and he, uh, yeah, wow. and he ran 50, yeah. That's insane. What an achievement. Hey, that's why I haven't slept. I, just, I stayed out with him until he finished. That's epic. You know what's funny? Yeah. The hardest thing I think when you get to this point where you're training and you're doing sort of big Ks all the time and, and big sessions, the hardest thing is being able to check your ego. And I give you credit for being able to go, okay, I've got to call this a night here because that's the thing that I find the hardest is if, if I say I'm going to do something, I kind of feel like I'll drag myself across the line half dead to achieve it, but it's not always the best way to move forward into the next week or into the next challenge. It's really yeah. hard to check your ego yeah. and leave it at well, the sometimes. A hundred percent. And when I, when I first started taking like, um, doing similar things like this and taking guys out to try and build their mental toughness, mental resilience. And it was, I used to think I, I'm the guy here. I need yeah. to stay here until they're done and I cannot stop. I need to be the last guy to stop. Yeah. Because I'm here to show all these guys how it's done. Now, my mindset has changed towards that. And it's I actually have nothing like, yeah, I'm running 50K. So I have, I have, do have something to gain fitness wise, but I have nothing to gain between these guys because they all respect me for who I am. They know what I'm doing. Um, I pulling out of that run last night was not tough, not tough at all because everyone, it was only me and one other dude still going. And um, I said, dude, I just can't do it to myself. And, and he completely understood. And um, yeah, I stuck around until he was done. But it, 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 I do, I do understand how it, it's tough at the start, man, because I always used to just go, if I've invited these guys, I need to be the last one here. 
Yeah. Uh, that's not the case anymore. I think my um my resume stands out for itself. Definitely. How old are you now? I'm only 23, bro. So you're a year younger than me. Yeah, only 23. Dad and everything. Far out. Let's let's talk about that. Let's talk about the the last sort of two three years of your life. 18, 19, you start to make these changes in your life. What age do you feel like you've settled into that? You're a new man. You've dropped weight. You're consistent, and you're setting out. You know what your goals are in life. I think it was about when I was when I was around 20. You know, I was still making all these dramatic changes when I first came out here. Um, now. I know who I am. I know what I want out of life. Um, my whole attitude is if you don't like who I am, there's no need for you to like, not everyone's going to like me. Not everyone is going to understand me. He's going to understand my personality. He's going to understand my vision. So now I'm comfortable in my own skin. Yeah. That, that attracts the right people who want to be in your life. I agree. Um, so leading into, I guess we can talk about the last three years and when I met my um, now fiance, Brooke, is I actually had a really toxic relationship before I met Brooke. And um, only only ended a couple months before I met Brooke. And me and Brooke have only been together, me and Brooke have been together for two years now, I think yeah. it is. So we were together for a couple months and then we found out we are having a baby, which is pretty wicked. Or is a spinner in the works, doesn't it? It does, but when I first met Brooke, it's a it's a funny story. I you know we got talking and all this kind of stuff, and I just stopped messaging her because I just got I was like, holy shit, I'm falling in love with this chick, and I just got out of a relationship. I said, no, this can't be real. This can't be real, and I uh, said, I think she wasn't replying to me for a little bit. So I've got the flowers delivered to her house. <laughs> I think that was the turning point. She's like, oh, okay, well, you know, I better give him a chance here. The grand gesture. That's it. That's it, bro. And now life couldn't be better being it's a young so, dad. So how old is your little one? Uh, he only just turned one. Yeah. Amazing. So I found out when I was 21 that I was going to be a dad. And how does that shift your life perspective? You know, being a parent is probably the hardest job on the planet. I can't speak from experience, but you know, I look at, you know, I've, I've got huge admiration for parents and people who, who raise children. You know, my parents are the two most amazing people I've ever met and, to do what they done with me and with my health as a young kid. I talk about it all the time. I've just got so much respect and love for them. And yeah. you really are, you know, you're, you're inspiring life. You're growing, you know, your child's growing alongside you as a parent and you do play a huge role in their growth and development and the way that they, they sort of grow up to see the world. How yeah. is that responsibility and how does that shape you? I think responsibility wise, I, have this standard to uphold um yes. definitely if it wasn't for brooke i would not be able to do what i do if yeah. it was not for her she is the organizer of our family <laughs> she is the she is the rock of our family she keeps me in check um because i obviously go my brain is always going 100 miles an hour and i go into these tangents like i'm going to do this i'm going to do that it's like hey slow down focus on this i'm like yeah. okay 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 and um, I guess me setting a standard for my son is me not giving up. Um, you know, I want to show him that being uncomfortable is good for you. Definitely. And it helps you grow. 
like you know yourself um leaving uni and work and going full all in on this podcast you are speaking and you said at the start of this podcast that you are literally speaking what your goal into existence you're putting it out there into the universe this is me with the this is me with the world's strongest marathon at the start of this year. I said, Oh, I'm going to do this. And my dad and everyone's like, Oh yeah, whatever. Like it's probably one of your cool ideas. And it's just like, no, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. And I've just got every, just reached out to anyone and everyone who wants to help me get this done. Cause, and you were saying before, I'm going to go off a bit of a tangent here, but you were saying before how we never really see anything like this in, um, yeah, in Australia. Dude, it's because it's so hard to get it done. Council is crazy. How hard is council to work with? Man, and I, just I, I 100% involved, know what man. About. Like the cost involved in trying to get something done. Like in, in America, it's like people want to go do these crazy things. Like, yeah, go ahead. Just sign this waiver. Hey. Yeah. <laughs> but here sign it's not waiver, like... So if something goes wrong, we're not liable. And then, yeah, good yeah. luck. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's it's exactly so right. Here, isn't it? We, you know, we experienced weeks and weeks and weeks of waiting applications covid safe plans like you know what i mean just everything you can imagine legally and logistically we had to sort out i was blessed to have cf australia behind me to handle all of the insurances and the legality side of things and it was the ability to just be creative and organize but it's not an easy process let's talk about the whole process of everything come up with this idea at the start of the year. I 100% know what you mean when you say you've put something out to the world and everyone kind of goes, amazing, sounds great, but we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah. And I remember, man, like four weeks into my prep, I remember running my first ever 15K, finishing and coughing up blood for about an hour after. And everyone's wow. kind of going, is he really going to do this? But... Once you sort of get to a certain point where you're committed and people can see you're all in, they start to believe it. And then the support grows and grows and grows. The true ones, the close ones know you're going to do it from the start. They believe your word, but then all of a sudden that influence starts to gain and momentum and traction builds and people go, okay, he's actually having a crack here. So at what point in time do you feel like with training ramping up? And it's probably the first for you, the first time someone sees a car fucking strapped to you. And you're walking around with it that people go, okay, he wasn't fucking around. This is actually going to happen. Yeah. Uh, I think the, when, the, when someone tells me, nah, like you, you're not going to do that. It makes me go, you, are you trying to tell me no, that I'm not, I'm not going to do that. Okay. I'm doing that. It's like, I'll give you an example at the start is when, um, after I finished that, that half marathon, I think it was two months later. I signed up for my first 24 hour race two months after just running my first half marathon. And I had my old man saying, no, nah, like, you know, like it's 24 hours. Like you only just ran your first half marathon. But I said, no, tell them I'm going to do it. Like I'm going to come and do it. And then I ended up running 108 K's a day. Wow. Um, and like, I was just wrecked. So if, if, if someone tells me no, I'm going the complete opposite and just going to the hell you tell me no. But with this world's strongest marathon, I think because such a high profile person had done it, yeah. Um, yeah. they had a lot of backing from like Red Bull, everything like that to get this done. So it was pretty simple for him to just walk onto a race car track and 
and, and do it. That's what Ross did. Yeah, so um, didn't he? In England. That's it. And but in all respect, he's built that. He's built that. And it's something I'm looking to build for the future. It's, um, he's someone I look up to because he's literally paved the way um, to be able to live off all these extreme things he's doing. Because um, as you could imagine, like me as a big guy going out and running 100Ks, like I'm not getting paid for that. You know, I'm not getting paid for anything like that. And um, so when it came to the world's strongest marathon, I think after we went to go do our first testing of pulling the car, I, um, after we did that first testing day, I, that's when I posted on Instagram and yeah. said, I'm posting on an Instagram. Cause as soon as I put it out on Instagram, I need to do it. <laughs> I can't yeah. not do it. Accountability. So that was the turning point. Once we did that testing day, that was like, yep, yeah, I can do this. I'm going to do it. Now you because obviously, was- you know, your Insta handle and your shirt there kind of speaks for what you do as a living. And, you know, you've got your fitness stuff going on and obviously you've got great knowledge around what you do and strength, conditioning, running, all of that. But this is quite different. It, it takes a lot of logistical, it kind of, ha- do you reach out to someone like Ross and try to get in contact? He is very hard to get in contact with, but do you reach out to people like that and, and try to sort of see how they done things or do you formulate your own way of getting to the finish line? Well, the way I have reached out to Ross just to uh, on numerous occasions before, just to try and have a chat, you know, I'm just want to say like, you know, me and you were, okay, you're 2% body fat. I don't have, I'm like 15% body fat, but I'm a, don't have the feats that he's had, but we are quite similar. Um, and I've always said to people, because yeah, I think Justin True as well, he, the guy who holds the current record, he has a training program for this. And they go, oh, have you checked out Justin's program? I said, no, well, I'm trying to break his record. So I'm going to run my own program because his program obviously was good enough to get that record. Yeah, if, you, yeah. if, that, if that makes sense. So, yeah, the way I look at it was um, his, his program got him to that point. My program is going to get me quicker than his point. Um, so you're, you're gunning for what what time? I'm, oh, I, I'm going to chuck this out to the universe. I haven't said any... I haven't even said this. I think I've only said it to Brooke and my dad, but I want to go 12 hours, eh? Jesus. Which is five hours off his time. Five and a half hours off his time, yeah. So you're then at 12 hours, what are you tracking? Like what pace are you moving at to give people an example here? I think it'll be roughly 10, 10 minute pace. I think it'll be roughly 10 minute pace. Okay. Um, so I've been, uh, the furthest couple I've done is eight K's at the moment. I've got 14 K's booked in next Friday to do. Um, judging off that eight K, I did eight K's in under two hours. Okay. So say we add an extra uh, 15 minutes each K, that takes it two and a half hours for, um, and that, that was comfortable. I could have kept on going, but I'm going to stick to the program. We're going to build slowly. Um, so if you add two more Ks onto that, 15 minutes each K, let's just average it to two and a half hours. Now your time is up by four. That's 10 hours plus an extra two Ks. Yeah. Um, so... Yeah, I'm, I'm Logistically, looking at the- like how does the event look? Do you 
Because I can imagine when you're attempting to break a world record, there's probably got to be some sort of official, like, does there have to be an official there? Does there have to be some sort of like process of documenting this of like, how does that all work? So this is the thing with, um, it's just been through athlete honesty, um, between Ross okay. and now, um, oh, I forget his name, uh, Justin. Yeah. Um, Justin tried to reach out to Ross, you know, heaps of times and say like, Hey, I've just broken your world record. <laughs> is there any, you're going to give me some acknowledgement or something like that, but nah, he's in, he, Ross is in his own little world, but yeah, Ross I respect Justin across the channel in you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But uh, when I, um, so it's just been through athlete honesty. Yeah. I have reached out to our uh, Guinness and I'm yeah. going to try and, um, going to try and get them to come out to make this thing an official thing. Awesome. Um, yeah. So I'm, I'm looking to be in the first person to actually make it official, but I still want to beat their world record. Of I'm not going to, um, they've set the record. So I still need to beat that. It's exciting. Talk to me about, you know, you're doing this for a charity and I, I made a love to hear that. And it looks like you work with this charity quite a bit and a lot of stuff that you do. It is, you know, name the charity for me. It's child abuse related, isn't it? You know what's all a bit confusing and scary? Buying your first home and getting your first loan approved. You see, I'm 24 and I bought my first property last year. Even as an agent at the time, there was so much I didn't know about finance because we aren't taught these things at school. You see, I'm blessed now because one of my best mates, Zachary Bidoff, is a mortgage broker. And now that I'm self-employed, I have to be smarter with my money. So I sat down with Zach to refinance my loan and to get the absolute best deal I could. And it's saving me money every week. You see, the great thing about Zach is he's 28 years old, super relatable, and he knows everything you need to about buying your first property. So whether it's pre-approval or refinancing that you need, head across to ZacharyBidoff.com or find the link in the show notes. Now you may be hearing that and wondering, well, once I've identified the right property, what do I do? If it's a house that you've found, it's important you know the ins and outs of the property. A few issues can quickly add up, leaving you well over budget with a ton of work to do. To ensure that's not the case, it's advised that you seek the professional opinion of a building and pest inspector. Greg and Sharon Flood are the owners of Inspect Wollongong. Their job to provide you with a building and pest report, identifying the good and the bad in each property, and giving you the necessary advice to move forward. Keen property investors themselves, Greg and Sharon love helping anyone who's keen to get into the market. And it all begins with a home that will stand the test of time. Get in touch with Inspect Wollongong via the contact details in the show notes. While we're on the property train, it's a great opportunity to talk about my next sponsor. If you're looking at purchasing an apartment or selling one, you may be familiar with the idea of a strata report. It's the document that outlines all the good, the bad and the ugly within the body corporate's financial plans and all the issues that need to be addressed before you put pen to paper on a sales contract. But how do you organise that and who does it for you? Well, that's where Coastal Strata comes in. They are your go-to service in New South Wales, providing reports, bylaws and renovation approvals. For all their services, head to coastalstrata.com.au or find the link in the show notes. Yeah, so it's Child Safe Australia. Yep. Um, and basically what they do and what really attracted me to them, I, I met um, Neil, the CEO, 
through a friend of mine and what really attracted me to child safe was they're putting in these preventative measures because realistically we cannot be in every single household protecting every single child of course they go back in their own household and that's the sad fact but what child safe do is they go to schools they go to sporting centers, um, you know, sporting clubs. They even go to big businesses with the parents and stuff like that. And they educate them on child abuse, whether it's sexually, emotionally, or physically, or physically. And they put these preventative measures in place so it doesn't happen. So say, um, for example, when I was a kid, mum just used to drop us off at the footy field. We used to stay at the footy field all day. Yeah. But what parents are meant to ask these days, if I sign Jacob, my son, up to sport, I'm going to say, what do you have in place to keep my child safe? Okay. Um, is there any police checks on coaches, trainers, whatever? Um, how can you assure me that when my son comes to this sport or daughter, um, how is it going to, how are they going to be safe? And that's what really attracted me to them is they put in all these preventative measures to keep our children safe. The message is pretty simple. And is that like, obviously, becoming a father in the last year, you sort of straight away like that, I guess that that issue becomes super important because it's close to home. You know, you've got a child. You can imagine what a parent of, of a child abuse victim would, would feel like and go through and the pain and the struggle of knowing that yeah. someone's done that to your child and, you know, the protective nature we have as, you know, as family members and, you know, you have it as a parent is incredible. Yeah. Like, is that what inspires that move to work with them? Someone who I love very dearly is very close to my family, um, is now suffering from PTSD from child abuse okay. when they were younger. Um, I've seen how it affects her and her family. Yeah. Um, it, it's brutal, man. It is brutal. And I was trying to research in how can I help her all this different kind of stuff. And when I started researching the statistics behind child abuse, it was astounding. I was just like, what the hell is going on? I never even knew about this until I started researching it. Yeah. It's fucking sad. And it is so sad. I think it's one child every 16 minutes is getting abused. That's what it's averaged off in Australia. Yeah, wow. Every 16 minutes. It's absolutely crazy. Um, it, it just, yeah, when I started reading the numbers, that's what made me really scared. And now, as you said, having my son there is like, well, every time I look at him every day, I'm thinking, how the hell could someone do that to some, yeah. something so innocent? You know? All they want to do, they just come into this world just so happy and full of joy, want to live their lives. And then someone who is mature of age just has to come and ruin it. 100%. Well, mate, credit to you because it's an awesome cause and it's very worthy. So can't wait to see you bloody blow this out of the water and raise great money, but also some really good, I guess, attention and awareness around child abuse and especially for Child Safe Australia. Let's sort of dive back into the training. I know a week probably isn't very typical for you. Probably there's no week that is super similar, but I guess there'd be some structure, right? Sort of talk us through what a week of training for the world's strongest marathon looks like. So I'm a carpenter by trade. Yep. My day normally starts at around 5.30, 6 o'clock. Yep. Um, that's for that work. So 
my training, I get up at about one one thirty every morning. Start my day. That's I'm in the gym. Shit. I'm in the gym from about two to two thirty. We're in there for about, oh, depending on the workout we're doing, it's between two and a half to three and a half hours. Wow. Um, and then I'll go to work all day. And as soon as I come home, it's family time. And that's it. Yeah, wow. That's a standard day for me. Um, and that's repeated five days a week. Whether my recovery sessions, I have two recovery sessions a week. So uh, it'll be Monday and Friday. Yep. Uh, three midweek are just a flog sessions from Tuesday to Thursday. Um, and those recovery sessions are still two to three hours. Yeah. And we're just on the bike stretching rolling out whatever needs to be done to make the body feel good we're doing it and that's how important that's we're putting in the hard yards all the time and i can't stress enough i even stress it enough to my clients that recovery is just so important you know and it's okay to have a day off here and there it's okay to rest and if i don't get in those recovery sessions that are still two to three hours my body will just be absolutely gone I feel so tight. I still am. I still am really tight, even though I do all that stuff. Doesn't it? Like, pardon? It becomes a real art getting the recovery yeah. right, understanding yeah. the flow of the training, the programming, yeah. the, you know, how one simple, you know, mistake in terms of your programming can ruin the rest of that week or or the rest of your progress for that month because it inflicts an injury or or it causes some issue or some pain, and. Yeah. Mate, it's I, I used to be a classic example of not recovering, not stretching when I was quite competitive at a younger age. And then when you dislocate your hips three times at 16, you oh. go, Oh, holy okay. I need to probably start stretching a little bit like the old boy's been telling me for a long time. And that's probably been a rule learning for me throughout this whole process is I've been blessed to have an amazing coach, Ben Seymour. And yeah, he's really stressed recovery. And because I've been so on the ball with it, yep. it's been amazing. No, yep. no soreness. I, I can push myself, run 30Ks, wake up the next day brand new. And yep. it is if you do the right things, it's so important. It keeps you going. Yep. So how's it all tracking? Like you, you pulled that car for 8Ks the other day. You said you've got 15. Is it coming up this next Friday? This Friday. Yeah, this Friday. Talk to me about the progress of that and obviously getting that weight behind you for a distance now. Does it increase your confidence does it worry you a little bit where's the headspace at so i, I to beat the world record i, I need a 1.5 ton car yeah um i've been training with a 1.8 with someone sitting in it so 300 kilos more than what i need okay. and i've uh, the times i just said before that's with a 1.8 ton car so <clears throat> um feeling confident yeah uh, to say the least um as i just put i put out there in the universe i want to get another 12 hours so um, yeah, I'm feeling really confident. I feel like the training's going well. So I'm still in my nine week building phase at the moment. Cause where we're just going back to the basics, just stripped it down. Um, we're just doing bench deadlift, um, squats and that's it. Oh, Nothing else. Oh, and, and military press, sorry, as well. And we just stripped it down to the basics, just building, 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 building. Um, we've got nine weeks of that. Then judging off these three carpools I have in the nine weeks is when I'll, um, sorry, four carpools in the nine weeks. That's when I'll work out specifics. Yep. And then we'll be doing specific training from there onwards okay. until the day. Awesome. My biggest carpool is going to be 36Ks, which I think is going to be four weeks out. Okay. 
So probably similar to like an actual marathon prep where you run maybe 35 or 36 and then you taper into the event. What I've said to people is I am training for a marathon, lifting really heavy weights yeah. is what I'm doing. That's literally what I'm doing is training for a marathon, lifting really heavy weights. And that's it. It's pretty simple. Um, yeah. I don't want to give too much of the source away, but it's, um, no, it's, going, it's going really well. Like I, I struggled at the start with, um, well, I didn't really struggle, but I think it was, it was hard getting up that early at the start. Yeah. Um, because I, I go to sleep quite late as well. Unless I'm tired, I, I can't go to sleep. How many hours are you getting? About four to five. Yeah. So it, I've normalized it for myself now getting up at that time. Yeah. So my, my old boy's weird like that. He used to work like four jobs and train a fair bit. And he he's pretty conditioned. Like he can get two or three a night and survive every night. And hmm. I just said, fuck. Like I, yeah. I get probably... I reckon I'm I'm snoozing by ten thirty up by four forty five, so I get I get a decent amount. But yeah. man, if you if you don't get it, I'm I never want not to get up. But fuck, you feel it later in the day, eh? Or after? Yeah, like day, I'm I'm really weird. Like I'm fine now, and I haven't slept since. I think I got up at four a.m. on Friday. Yeah, wow. So I'll be fine till about probably I'll be fine till about ten o'clock tonight, and I'll probably feel tired and crash. Yeah. But um, yeah, Brooke wants me to get tested after go see a sleep pathologist or something like that after this training because she thinks I've got something wrong with me. Okay, as they do. Oh yeah, um, talking about the food, getting obviously a lot of calories in. That's yeah, the I'm getting part of doing this stuff, right? Yeah, you get to eat what you want. Yes, <laughs> I love it. I um, I used to be really strict on on eating when I was losing the weight and yeah. all that kind of jazz, but um, right now I'm just I'm eating my chicken and rice, you know, just keeping it simple. But yeah, as long as I'm putting in the hard work, I've never been one to be like, you know, I need to go on this diet, I need to go on one like that. I just think that if you're putting in the hard work, you know what's good and what's bad for your body. So yeah, you know how what you respond. Do you, that's it. Um, you need the calories that, like at this level. You yeah. need the calorie. When you're doing that, that many Ks, lifting that many weights, if you don't, you're just going to break down. I reckon I'm eating because I'm starting my day really. Early, I'll be eating close to four thousand calories a day, if not more. Eh? Yeah, I'm, I reckon um, I'm probably three and a half pretty consistently every day, and I'm still yeah. losing weight. Yeah, wow. So is that because I'm, you're running and stuff? Well, I'm probably doing. I'm probably doing anywhere between forty-five and sixty k's a week consistently. Oh, nice. And then when I on a on a run day, I'll still walk five k's that day. Yeah. On a non-run day, I'll walk 10Ks. And awesome. on a non-run day, I'm hitting weights. And then even on some of the smaller run days, I'll still hit weights too. So my, my output's pretty high at the moment. Um, so And I just found, like, I was probably, man, before this started, so I've lost nine kilos since April. Wow. And I was like, I wasn't, I, I say I was a bit of a chubby fucker. Like, I wasn't disgusting, but I had a bit of a dad rig going on. And like I've noticed, I feel heaps better, but I'm eating way more than I was then. I just was nowhere near as active. You just build a tolerance that like I woke up this morning and I've had a bit of a calf issue. So that ego thing, I missed my first run in 15 weeks yesterday. I replaced it with a gym session, but I just hated fucking missing it. 
And I was supposed to run 15 this morning and I thought, no, I'll be smart. Spoke to my coach. He said, get on the bike for an hour. And man, for me, like I can push myself on a bike for an hour and it doesn't feel like anything. So I'm like, okay, I've got to go back and do something this afternoon because I just feel like I've been lazy. And it's just that love. You've got a passion for it, right? 100%. And I'm happy you just brought up that you um, are doing strength work because that's one thing that recreational runners miss out on is strength work. They do, man. And, you know, I'll be honest. That's the reason why I reached out to my coach, Ben, because I was, I am now about 78, 79 kilos depending how big the dinner is I had the night before. And I, um, I was about 80, I was probably 88, 88 to 87 um, before I started all of this. And, you know, that's not a typical runner's frame. Even though I wasn't super bulky or super muscly, I am pretty tall. I'm six foot on the dot. But I looked and a lot of the people who were, you were training these runners and training people for marathons, you know, were quite lean, you know, talking 60 odd kilos. And I thought, that's not me. Like my joints are going to have a different response. My body's going to handle this differently. I need to speak. And I'd had Ben on my podcast early days, episode 12. And I thought, man, Benny went from being a pro rugby player. He carries a real frame and he's jacked, but like he carries some weight around and he gets big Ks out a week. I need to talk to this guy because he's just going to know what, what my body will be feeling like. And he said the same thing. Just a lot of, a lot of runners don't do their strength work. And I think it's probably been the key for me. Yep. It makes you a lot better runner. Like people, people come reach out like how are you, cause I'm 98 kilos. Yeah, wow. It's like, how are you, how are you doing all this at 98 kilos and still functioning? And I'm like, my muscular endurance through strength work is just outstanding. And I put it back to my strength work and I, I run with runners and I keep up with runners that are 60 kilos, but an extra 30, 30 something kilos on them, 38 kilos on them. It's body stability, right? Like, yeah, a lot of people don't realize how their day-to-day lives actually sort of muck around with the, the posterior and anterior chain balance and how that affects then their running when they, because, you know, anyone can kind of get out five or 10 Ks. Yeah. But when you sort of start getting to 20 Ks, if you've got imbalances, it'll expose itself. You're gonna yeah, 100%. 100%. And I, I think a lot of recreational runners just, I don't know if it's because they just love the running, but if you are going to run and you want longevity, then the strength work, you're like, you have to do strength work. There's no doubt about it. Definitely. Definitely. The hard truth. Talk to us about how we can get behind the world's strongest marathon, how people can follow you on your journey, support the event, support the charity. Just give us an idea of where we can find you basically. So um, I've got to go fund me, linked on my Instagram page. Yep. Um, all that money goes directly to child safe. We're looking at, I've said it about $20,000, but I'm looking to raise about 40 by the end when I uh, reach out to some big companies and stuff awesome. like that. Um, you can find me at Cosfit underscore on Instagram and uh, Cosfit Strength and Endurance on uh, Facebook. It's uh, I'd love. I always put out there when I'm pulling the car for those dates. And anyone out there who's in the Penrith Blue Mountains area, Parramatta area, and you're close, um, come down for a walk. I'm always up for a chat while I'm pulling the car. It's um, the more the merrier. I thrive off your energy for you guys being there so if you want to come down and check it out or if you ever want to message me about inspiration or mental mental resilience mental toughness you know i'm i'm always down for a chat like 
more I'm open book. I'll be honest. There's no way about it. Actually, you know what? Before I was going to wrap it up there, but there is one other thing I want to ask you that really intrigues me. You know, as a we spoke about your early, you know, early sort of late teen years into early adulthood, your struggles with illicit drugs, your struggles with a lifestyle that you were leading at that point in time. You know, as someone who's grown up with health very front of mind, and I guess you know one thing. I've just had from a very young age is a real appreciation for life and how blessed I am to, to be healthy and very able with cystic fibrosis. So for me as a guy who, you know, went into adolescence where, you know, starting to see the influence of drugs and alcohol, I've got liver disease, so I don't drink at all. And I've never touched drugs in my life. I've never had the urge to do it. It's just not in me. Never bothered me that I wasn't a part of that crowd or excluded from that because I just had a real appreciation for my health. And I remember it, it, it really was hard for me in my later teen years, heading into early adulthood, where there was this real frustration that, you know, what, why would someone take that risk? Or why would someone walk that path in life when it could be so dangerous for your health? Like, do you not appreciate how lucky you are to be healthy and able as a guy who takes 50 tablets a day and have done for a long time? I thought, yeah. why would you take one tablet that could ruin it all when I take 50 just to have the same opportunity as you? But I guess as I matured, I learned that that approach doesn't necessarily help anyone else see the light. It just yeah. creates an argument. And yeah. what I learned was to lead by action as opposed to words. And I hope in some way, shape or form, I've been able to do that for people in their lives and be a positive influence. How do you tackle that conversation now as a guy who's been through that and come out the other side when people come and talk to me about how do i get out meaning getting out how do i get out of this environment yeah it's simply looking at probably the 10 people that are around you what are they doing and which direction do i want to take so when i had through my situation as mine's completely different as to where i had the option to move away from everything. Yeah. A lot of people don't have that option. So I was very lucky in that sound. But the one bit of advice I give to people is it's gonna you, you're gonna have to stick it out. It's it's gonna suck. If you want out of that environment, I've had people messaging me through Instagram like, um, can you help me with this? Can you help me with that? I'm like, yeah, no worries. Like, this is what you need to do. And it's pretty simple. Say no is number one thing. Like if you want to say no say no because peer pressure is the, the biggest factor that i fell into and it's still a driving force as to why kids i feel like kids do the stupid things that they do definitely is peer pressure and you're gonna have to learn to say no and it's gonna suck but i i also have this thing that so you are your environment but if you really want to change you will change yeah, I agree. You will change. It's There's no two ways about it. If you're only half-assing it and you're like, oh, yeah, it seems like a good idea. Like, yeah, I'd like to get out of this environment because I had a really bad night the night before or had a really bad weekend with my friends and we're all fighting and all this kind of stuff. You don't really want to get out. You're just trying to escape that experience that you just had. Yeah, you've um, really got to look within and find your why. Yes, yes, that's exactly right. you got to look at it and you got to say, is this good for me? Does this make me happy? 
because happiness is the number one factor that everyone should look at in their life. Like me, it's the metric, with my job. It's the North Star. That's it. And I wasn't happy where I was, but I kept on doing it every single weekend. And I had this thing where my life was over and you know, people have that, but they don't know. Like a lot of my mates don't have five people that they could reach out to if they were actually struggling with something. Yeah. I put a poll out on my Instagram the other day about it. And I think it was like 80% of people said no. Yeah, wow. They they couldn't that think of five it. people that they could actually reach out to. It was in mental health mental health awareness week. I think you've got and to build that circle, right? You've got to you've got to be really conscious about that immediate circle. That's it. And the, the boys that I hang around with now, some of them I've known for a year and some of them I've known for six months. And I can already tell that I'm gonna be mates with them for the rest of my life. Is we just feed off each other's energy. We all wanna grow. Um, we don't want to go out on the weekends. You know, we actually want to have purpose in our life. We know our goals. We, we are taking the necessary steps to get there. Um, I guess back to your question is to everyone out there who wants to change, it's going to suck and you really got to want it. Like, yeah, you, I, I, had an, I had an argument with one of my old good mates. He's still kind of good, good mates with me. And if he listens to this, he'll know who he is, but I used to try and help him all the time and he, he works in this job that he doesn't really like and I've been trying to help him like, oh, you want to go, he's really into boats and all that. I'm like, you want to go do this uni, you want to go do this course? Like, here's this course. And I'm like, I think TAFE had the course for free during COVID. They had all these courses going for free. Yep. I'm like, bro, you should do this. This, this. this is free. This is free. Go and do it. You know? And he's like, oh, I don't really have time. And he worked a part-time job and was going out all the time. And I said, dude, you're telling me you don't have time? I said, I'm training to break a world record. I've got my own podcast. I've got family and I've got a children, a child and I'm working full time. And you're telling me you don't have time? Yeah. What the hell? You you're trying to tell me the shit that matters, right? I'm like, you don't want it. You don't want it. So don't try and ask me for help ever again until you actually look at yourself and say, yeah, yeah, I want to change. Definitely. This I love that, man. And I'll, I'll say you are making huge waves and, and creating such a positive influence for people. I think that, you know, the one thing I love seeing is guys like yourself, you know, you see guys like Goggins, you know, Ross, all these people that are out attempting and doing crazy things. But the key message of it all is just going out and having a crack at life. That's what it's about. We're here one time, one time only. There's no retakes. There's no do-overs. There's no restart game. It's here. It's a one-time chance and you've got to go out and have a crack and do the things that make you happy. I love what you said. Happiness is that metric. It's what everything in your life should be measured off. And this year, that was my goal. My goal was to, to be happy, to be healthy again and to do the things that gave me purpose and passion in life. It's been the most amazing year of my life. So go out, get after it. Corey, you're an absolute legend, brother. I'd urge anyone to go follow you be a part of the journey. I will be following on and watching all of it. And mate, I'd be keen to get after a run with you one day. Let's make it happen. I just want to say one thing before we leave is like my page isn't here to scare people away. My yeah. page is there to inspire you all and to, and I'm here like these nine guys that just over the last three months that have just run their first marathons and ultra marathons. Like when you come on a run with me, I will get you through it. 
even if you have run only 5Ks before, you've run 3Ks before and you want to do a marathon, we will do it. It's getting you in that uncomfortable state and I'll get you through the mind frame to be able to get out of that state. And you realizing yourself, this is happening to me. You've got to accept it. There's no music, no outside sources to try and distract you from it. You need to accept what's happening to your body and we get through it together. We have this shared suffering. And I just wanted to say that anyone out there that is looking to um, make changes in their life, do it before it's too late. Like if, even if you have the front thought in your mind, just do it. You know, don't listen to anyone else. If it's in your heart, you do it. And that's it, bro. That. Powerful message, everyone. Go follow this man. Get behind him. Get behind his journey. Ladies and gentlemen, it was my pleasure to sit behind the mic with Corey Philpot. Cheers, brother. Thank you, brother.